Well, I found this uh, picture on the internet this past week, and I just could not resist sharing it with you. It said Father Schoper was not sure whether he should really have bought the new crucifix at Ikea. Sometimes in life, even the things that should be straightforward turn out to be challenging and complicated, right? Who thinks that following Jesus is easy? I, I do not know what I would do if one of you raised your hand, so that's, <laughs> thank you. We know that following Jesus is easy to talk about, but in practice is very, very difficult. And this morning, our text in Ephesians 6 shows us why it's difficult. So we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. We've been walking through this, actually, letter to the early church for the last eight weeks. This is our final Sunday. We're in Ephesians 6. If you have one of the journal Bibles we handed out along the way, please grab it. If not, there's pew Bibles, and the text will be on the screen, or grab your own Bible. I'm going to be asking you to write some things down, to underline some things, to circle some things, to follow along with the text as we go. But we're in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, and I'm going to read the whole text out loud. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication prayer for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We'll stop there. Go back to the start of that text in verse 10 and circle the word finally. Finally. And out beside it, I want you to write the words final instructions. Final instructions. One of the things my family loves to do in just sort of down family time is to play games. We love to play board games, um, but often there's a problem, and, and the problem is me. Because we get a few minutes into the game, and I'm like, wait, what do you do with this card? What happens next? Am I supposed to go? Are you supposed to go? What happens? Because it's clear that I have not learned or paid attention to the instructions. 
And I'm not sure why this is a particular flaw of mine, but inevitably it happens no matter what game we're playing. And so I'm not following the instructions, but you need the instructions to understand how to play the game, right? You need the instructions. And our text today contains instructions from one of the earliest Christ followers about how to navigate our lives, our faith in Jesus, our journeys with Jesus, especially when it turns out harder than we expected. He gives us final instructions for how to live with Jesus after he's reminded us of all that Jesus has done for us. And so I want you to notice something in the text. I want you to notice something. When the author thinks about, okay, here are your instructions to try to live out your faith in the world, he says a series of things, and I want you to underline them. He says, be strong, stand against, take up, withstand, stand firm, and stand therefore. If you get a pep talk with words like these from a coach or a supervisor or a parent or a teacher, if you get a pep talk with words like be strong and stand against and stand firm, are you about to take on something easy and simple or something hard and complicated? When you're seeking alignment with Jesus, you're stepping into battle. You're stepping into battle. And not just any battle. Not a battle between humans. It says not a battle between flesh and blood. So I want to reiterate that more than once this morning. This passage is not talking about a battle between humans. It's talking about a cosmic battle. A battle between God and the devil. I'm going to pause us there. The devil? It's probably not something many of us talk about frequently. In fact, educated Westerners in the 21st century rarely, if ever, talk about the devil or demons or Satan or whatever you want to call it. And honestly, we probably scoff at people who do. But just because you don't believe in devils doesn't mean they don't believe in you. It doesn't mean you don't feel the effects of their work in your life. C.S. Lewis, that great 20th century Christian thinker, said that there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an unhealthy and excessive interest in them. Meaning we're tempted to either write it off as ancient thinking or we're tempted to be so fixated on it that we have no way of moving forward in our faith. But Christians, historically, throughout the ages and across the world, across cultures, have believed that there are spiritual beings, not deities, not gods, not as powerful as God, but spiritual beings who have rejected God and who are actively working in the world to undermine God and God's people. So you can call them whatever you want. Devils, demons, Satan, Lucifer, all words that have been used historically and biblically. I know this is a really fun subject, right? Like, this is really exciting. 
But it's so important for us to understand because when we hear the word devil or demons, we often picture something like this. Right? That's the image that comes to our mind. Some big, scary, horny, fiery monster. It's Lord of the Rings, by the way. It's, it's Gandalf. But this is not the image. This is not the image that Paul gives us in the letter to the Ephesians. Instead, he uses the word diablos for devil. And diablos is where we get the word diabolic or diablo. It's, it means slanderer or accuser. And that is what he's telling us the devil's work is. To slander. You see, he doesn't need to come at you like some big, scary, horned monster. He wants to tell you lies. Lies about God. And lies about yourself. That that is the work of the devil in your life. And it's so effective. It's so effective. If you've ever been hiking on a maintained trail, you've probably seen one of these. That's called a blaze. A blaze are the trail markers. They're often painted or flags or little rubber things that are pinned on, and they're always the same color so that you know, oh, there's the blue trail, there's the blue blaze, I'm on the trail. When I'm out on a hike, you don't, you don't need to let me run into a bear or a nest of snakes or quicksand, you just need to whisper in my ear, have we seen a blaze in a while? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're not on the right trail. Do we pack enough water? I know we said this was an hour hike, but are we going to survive? Like, I haven't seen a blaze in five minutes. It's amazing. It just, it, it, am I on the right track? You see, the devil doesn't need to convince you to join some satanic cult doesn't need to come at you with some fiery monster. He just needs to whisper in your ear, are you sure your life is on the right track? Are you sure you want to place your faith in God? He's just trying to convince you that God cannot be trusted. Maybe he's not real at all, but if he is real, he cannot be trusted. Or he's trying to convince you that it all falls on your shoulders. And by the way, you'll probably fail. Right? He's trying to tell you lies about God and about yourself. And I don't know about you, but every single day, I get bombarded with these lies. I work at a church, and every day I get bombarded with lies. Does God really need you? Do you really need God? These are the lies that we get told every single day. And if you think it's hard to follow Jesus, it's because it is. It's because the slanderer is actively trying to get you to abandon your life with Jesus. He wants to undermine your trust in God. So in this battle between God and the devil, God has an invitation for us. He has an invitation for the world. And the devil is actively trying to get us to walk away from it. The question, if you want to follow Jesus, is not whether or not you'll find yourself caught in battle. The question is, what has God given you so that your faith survives the fight? 
And so to give you a picture of what God gives you, how God will protect you, he uses the imagery of a soldier's armor. We often refer to this passage as the armor of God. And he uses this to remind us of how God equips us in Jesus to face the challenges of life as we try to live out our faith. So I'm going to make you, I'm going to ask you to make a list with me as we walk through these different pieces of armor so that we see what it is that God gives us to protect us. We'll go quickly through these. First thing is truth. Write the word truth. He gives us a belt of truth. In the ancient world, the belt was the piece of armor that held all the other pieces of armor together. When we're tempted to believe lies about God and about ourselves, we have to remember that what we believe, that our life is rooted in something that is unshakably true because it's rooted not in ourselves, not in the opinion of others, not in what's popular in culture, but our faith is rooted and held together by the unshakable truth of who God is and what he's done for us. So truth as the belt that holds it all together. And then he talks about righteousness. Write the word righteousness. He says we're given a breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is that large piece of armor that goes across the chest. And righteousness is just a word that means practicing your right relationship with God. And so when we put our faith into practice, when we actually try it on, we're putting on the breastplate. But if we live in such a way that we're not trying out our faith, we're leaving ourselves exposed to the lies. So he says, put on righteousness. Practice your faith. If you're not practicing it, you're going to be focused on the wrong thing and exposed to the lies. But if you practice your faith over and over, you're putting on the breastplate to protect yourself. The next thing he talks about is peace. Write the word peace. He says we're giving shoes as the, for the gospel of peace. Shoes for a soldier were for delivering them to the battle effectively and efficiently. In fact, in Paul's day as he's writing this, the Roman soldiers had perfected a thing called the long march. The long march is exactly like what it sounds. They would, this, this is amazing to me, they would surprise another army by walking a long ways, which sounds counterintuitive, right? It's hard to sneak up on somebody when you're walking. But they would march so far that it was so unexpected that any army could walk this far that all of a sudden they were on the enemy's doorsteps before they knew it. And they could only do that because they had good shoes. But whereas the Roman soldiers went to enemy territory to bring violence, Paul says, wherever Christians go, we bring peace. We bring the gospel of peace. Where you find yourselves in schools and in homes and in workplaces and neighborhoods, you are called to bring peace. Maybe especially when things aren't always easy. When things get hard, we are called to bring peace into those places to be a peaceful presence. And the next thing I want you to write is the word faith. He says we're given the shield of faith. And the word he uses for shield is the word scutum. It is a certain kind of shield. It's a massive rectangular shield that soldiers would lock together and hide behind. And they had trust that when the arrows came, 
The shields would protect them. The shields would hold. So faith is to have complete trust that God is with us and for us. And so when the lies come, we can trust that our faith holds because we have been given the shield of faith by the God who loves us and protects us. The next thing I want you to write is the word salvation. He says, for our heads, we're given a helmet of salvation. The knowledge of what Jesus has done for us is to permeate our minds. But also, each army had its own helmet. So you could identify a soldier by the shape and the markings on their helmet. So he's saying you are to be marked as God's redeemed people by wearing the helmet of salvation. The next thing I want you to write is God's promises. Because we're given the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. And it is in God's Word that we discover God's promises for us and for the world. And I want you to notice that this is the only offensive piece of armor that Paul talks about. But remember, we're not given a sword to stab other people. As Christ Presbyterian Church, we will not use God's word to beat up and bash and stab other people. That's not what Paul's talking about. The reason that he gives us a sword is the only thing we're called to bring into the world that will make a difference in the darkness are God's promises of love and mercy and forgiveness and hope and peace. Those are the promises we bring into the world to make a path into the darkness, not on our own strength, but by the Spirit of God that is at work and alive in us. And therefore, the last thing he gives us is prayer. I want you to write down prayer. Over the centuries, theologians have debated whether or not prayer is a part of the actual list. The more I studied it, I don't know how it couldn't be. Because prayer is how you put on the armor. Prayer is how we say to God, let your will be done in my life. And so he gives us prayer as we enter into the battle because there is no battle for us without prayer and without putting on the armor. He gives us this armor because the devil is going for the jugular. He doesn't want you to have a life with Jesus. He wants to undermine your faith. If you're, if you're trying to follow Jesus, he's going to tell you the lies to get you to settle for less than what Jesus has for you. But you should also know that not everything bad that happens in your life is a spiritual attack from the devil. Remember the quote from C.S. Lewis. He said that we are not to waste our lives trying to figure out one or the other. Is this an attack from the devil or is it not? Because this passage in Ephesians is not about being scared of some satanic attack. It's not about obsessing over the presence of demons and devils. It's about understanding that it's difficult to follow Jesus in the world because there are spiritual forces at work that are trying to knock you off your game. He just wants you to understand that there are spiritual forces in the world that don't want you to follow Jesus. And you bump up against them every day. And there are spiritual forces in the world that do not want God's mission to advance. And they're telling you lies 
so that you'll settle for something less than what God would have for your life. And our response should not be to quit or to give up. It shouldn't be to shy away from the battle. Our response is to put on the armor of God that we can step into the battle protected not by who we are, not by our own strength, not by our own abilities, but protected by what Jesus has done for us. If you hear nothing else, hear this. To put on the armor of God is to put on Jesus. To put on the armor of God is to put on Jesus. We can weather the challenges of life and cling to our faith by over and over and over and over again putting on Jesus. And we don't have to fear We don't have to live in fear of what may come or what has happened or what is happening now because the very one who rose from the dead and conquered sin and death is our armor. And that is the good news. And because of that, there's one more thing I want you to do in your journal Bibles. I want you to circle the phrase, declare it boldly. Declare it boldly. Because that's the mission. That our lives would boldly declare who Jesus is and what he has done for us. That's what you need armor for. You see, people who are sitting on the sidelines don't need armor. Armor is for those who have stepped into battle. Armor is to save the lives of those who have not feared to step in where God has led them. That's what the armor is for. And this text is not written to individuals. It's written to the church. It's written to the church. And that means it's not written to individual hero soldiers going out there fighting for Jesus. It's written to God's people as people who are meant to put on the armor together to walk out into the mission of God with arms and shields linked knowing that God desires to do something in our lives that will make the devil mad. And I sometimes worry that we are in no danger of making the devil mad. I sometimes worry that we have abandoned the mission and that we're so comfortable that we have no need to fear the attacks of the evil one. But let's not let that be true about Christ Presbyterian Church. Let's put on the armor. Let's let our lives be a threat to the darkness, not because of who we are, but because of Jesus. Let our lives together be so powerful and so gracious and so loving that Christ Presbyterian Church is a threat to the darkness. Because we know the one, we are clothed in the one who is a threat to the darkness. We stand boldly in Christ who stands victorious and we step into anything that God may bring us, that life may bring us because we walk with Jesus. So friends, let's step into the battle knowing that Jesus walks with us and has gone before us. That Jesus fights for us. And most importantly, that Jesus has already won the victory. Let's pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you for who you are and for how you love us. We pray right now that 
we would have the boldness and the courage to step into the battle, to put on the armor, to believe that you are capable of providing for us and taking care of us and protecting us no matter what life brings us. May we be clothed in Christ. May we put on the armor every single day and be reminded that you have overcome any sin and death that might be tempted to whisper lies in our ears. God, unite us around your vision for this church and your mission for your people and let us settle for nothing less. Transform us and use us. Convict us and call us. Our lives are yours, Jesus. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Amen.